On this week's full-time roundup, Liverpool send a message. Real and Girona continue to stand alone at the top of La Liga. Daniel and Matt differ on the Bundesliga title, and Inter's lead is cut ahead of their big clash. Plus, we update you on the Cups. Full-time roundup starts right now. And welcome into the latest edition of the full-time roundup. Matt Gesslin back in the seat with you alongside my good friend Daniel Brackett. As always, a huge shout out to you and Renard for taking care of business while I was gone this past week. And Daniel, of course, is always leading the charge. It's good to be back with you, Daniel. A lot of action to cover. Want to get right into it. But again, good to see you. Hope you had a good week. I know it was a great episode. I enjoyed the listen on the road as I was in Dallas for work and uh, but just good to see your smiling face, especially after a big performance today, which we'll cover here in a second. Matt, it, it's felt like a year since I last talked to you, so always always a pleasure. And um, I was pretty nervous about that game, so I guess we'll just jump right in. Um, we played Bournemouth in one of the Cups. I believe it was the EFL. It might have been the FA Cup, and it was actually – um, almost the same conditions, stormy and windy as hell. A little bit less wind than last time. Last time was one of the windier games I've ever watched on television before uh, with a football match. But you know, I this was a this was a big one. I, I was kind of worried about it. Two of the hottest teams in the Premier League in the last month clash and were away, so didn't know how to feel about it. Um, I assumed there would be goals but we only got goals from one team. It was four consecutive goals in the second half. And I know we've talked some on the pod, some offline about, you know, who's going to step up in Mo's absence. And you know what? We got that answer today, Matt. It made me so happy seeing Darwin Nunez celebrate that first goal because he's been, I think he hasn't had a goal in 17 games or something crazy like that, even though he still has decent stats for the year. Um, And he, Back in a big way with a brace, Diogo Jota, two goals and assist. He always scores the ugliest of goals, but it doesn't matter. It still goes into the back of the net. And, I mean, this was probably one of the most impressive Liverpool displays I've seen in a long time. Uh, it was the first time in a while that I saw our midfield. Every single player played an excellent game. Curtis Jones has looked excellent. Harvey Elliott, who sometimes kind of loses – kind of drifts in and out of the game in the midfield. And then McAllister finally felt like that number six role was his and just was spreading balls out, making insane tackles, really just being the heart of the distribution. I could not be happier. And then you got the defense, obviously. Kanate, Van Dyke, brick walls. And then Connor Bradley on the right side, the 20-year-old. Couldn't have played better if you asked him to. Yeah, I think it wasn't obviously a little bit of uh, blindness as you are a supporter. So, you know, of course, I think it wasn't a a thrilling performance from start to finish. You mentioned the 0-0 first half. I thought Liverpool were a little slow out of the gate. You know, I think there was some some impact with the weather. It wasn't the cleanest performance, um, you know, but again, second half, much, much better. There were stretches, Daniel, I think, offensively where it looked like just kind of a little disconnected and and not, not clicking, but then... All of a sudden, in, in moments of brilliance, there were you know four goals um, that happened, and so I, I do think it was a good performance. I think it's a performance that you take you know and, and run with. Of course, four goals, clean sheet, uh, a lot of positives on the road. Like you said, poor weather. I think any team playing in that weather would have had a difficult time, but it wasn't clean. Um, it wasn't great. 
but a big result nonetheless. Um, and, and, you know, it's a statement, you know, they're, they're now five points clear of city who, who don't play this week with the, you know, the weird scheduling, um, you know, half, you know, fortnight schedule of, of winter break for, for premier league. So, um, you know, did job done, uh, you know, you could definitely say, uh, that Klopp was, was had some, some halftime statements to the team. Cause that first half was definitely a little bit rough and, uh, they came out and of course the wind plays a factor, you know, you could. You could see in the first half they're trying to play a little bit behind Bournemouth, a little over the top and, and downwind. The ball was getting away from them. You know, it was a lot easier going into the win second half. You could play those balls a little bit firmer and you weren't going to lose it to to the slick ground or, or the wind pushing it out. So all in all, uh, like I said, a, a, a win, a big win, um, especially, you know, to extend that lead at the top of the table, which you want, uh, especially knowing and, and kind of understanding that City's coming right behind you guys. So uh, job well done. Um, and like you said, that midfield, you know, we've talked about Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones and, you know, they're still young. You know, you have to remember that these kids are still, you know, under 20 uh, or just about 20 years old and, and they're stepping in, especially with, you know, big players out right now. Uh, you know, Endo is gone and Mosala, you mentioned, uh, you know, Gakpo came in in the second half, grabbing grab batch as well. So good performance all around. Uh, but honestly, I would say, you know, still some work to clean up from a Liverpool perspective. Uh, especially, especially as you know who's coming behind you uh, when they, you know, we didn't see them play this week. But we saw them play last week, and they looked like they're starting to find that form that we know that City will find it after the Christmas break. So, um, all in all, happy days in in Merseyside as a, a four nil win for Liverpool and and Daniel, another team that that got Wait, back on. Go ahead. Do you mind, do you mind if I quickly sure. interrupt here? I, I will say you do make a good point. I was really. My mood was really overshadowed with the second half performance. And I, I do think that when I was the happiest is actually when, when Gakpo came on. Um, Cause I do think Diaz has, has struggled a little bit. Um, and the team just seemed to click more when Gakpo came on and he immediately gets a nice assist. So I will say I would like to see Gakpo, you know, start there. Um, but I do agree with, with all the points. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. You, you, no, you, no. I, that was a valid. That was a valid point there. Yeah, and of course you saw, you know, a little scary moment for Luis Diaz in the first half with the a tackle that was pretty, pretty scary looking. Uh, you know, one of those tackles that you definitely could have easily seen a red card if it were another day. So uh, glad that he was able to to bounce back. But yeah, they definitely looked a little bit better when Gakpo came in and, and all in all, just a, a good performance. Another team, Daniel, that had a great performance this week in the Premier League was Arsenal who absolutely dismantled Crystal Palace 5-0 on Saturday. I, I don't know what to make of this one simply because, of course, Arsenal, you know, they needed a performance. They scored five goals, so you don't want to diminish that. But this was more of a, a testament to the fact that Crystal Palace were just really, really poor, in my opinion. Arsenal looked good. They looked okay. Um, but they weren't, you know, clinical other than the fact that they, they put five balls in the net. But in my opinion, this wasn't a performance to write home about. It was a good performance for for Mikel Arteta to build off of, especially coming after, you know, two weeks in Dubai and the team looked rested. But any thoughts on kind of, you know, where where Arsenal look after this performance? Does this change your perception of how the race is going to play out in the next couple of weeks? They seem to score off of individual errors. So, I mean, they needed this win badly and it was a statement win, kind of like you said. So they, they needed that for their confidence because they were kind of in spiral here um but i think really more of the game was a reflection on how bad palace were i mean the entire team was dreadful 
other than Eze, who is the one bright spot. And, you know, Chris Richards, who's actually been playing pretty good as of late, played a really bad game, especially with the set piece. Um, so pretty disappointed to see his performance kind of drop there. But, you know, that's going to happen with a young player with not much experience. So I'm still still obviously backing him in his future here. But I, I feel bad for, for Roy because, you know, he hasn't – he did decent last year and actually got them to a pretty good spot. But – when your two best players do not play together, it's you know it's virtually impossible for that team to win. I mean, Elise or Eze, one of the two is always injured, right? And Elise was missing today. And when they both play, they actually have a really good statistic winning percentage. So feel bad for him, but I think that you know this might be Roy's you know retirement party here, and it could come to an end very soon. Yeah, you mentioned the individual errors too. I think it's like I said, it's a good performance. Arsenal needed it uh, a little bit of an inflated scoreline, right? You know, Martinelli mm -hmm. gets two goals in a minute and a half in 94 and 95th minute stoppage time. So you're looking at three nil and then two individual errors on corners. So, you know, not to take away the goals because the goals happen, but you're really looking at a game that could have been one nil, two nil for Arsenal. Probably but it would have been more indicative of the scoreline or the game the way it played out, to be honest. Uh, the only other concern for me, of course, we definitely need to keep an eye on this, is Declan Rice coming off the field at some point in the second half. You could see him mouthing. I think it was Odegaard that it was a hammy. Uh, so you just you worry how bad that hamstring injury could be. Without him, Daniel, not only are they currently so you know behind City and Liverpool, which of course are, you know, we, we think are the three teams that are going to run it, they play each other. Liverpool and Arsenal play each other in two weeks' time, and a hamstring, as you know, as having played your your, you know, your career, and I've played mine, a hamstring is never easy to bounce back from. And, and if Declan Rice is not available for that Liverpool game, you know that is an is a almost a title defense right there, type of game for for Arsenal. If they do not win that game or get a point, this thing could be over um, for them at this point in the season already. And so you just wonder how that's going to look. Of course, Jorginho comes in, and can they kind of play off each other? We saw them play against you guys earlier with that double pivot in the I believe it was the FA Cup and it, it was effective for 60 minutes but you know again that hamstring for for Declan Rice is a big big concern for me uh going forward of course on the flip side you had Martinelli who came back from an injury scored two goals and looked good uh you know you saw Emil Smith-Rowe get some time here and at the late in the half and, and was very effective too so all in all a, a decent like you said a performance that Arsenal needed but I wouldn't be writing home about it as if they're going to win the title after this performance just simply because of how bad Palace was. And totally agree with you that that Roy Hodgson has to be kind of looking and packing his office at this point. Of course, you also had Graham Potter in the stands with his kids just watching the game. That's not by accident in my thought. Um, you know, there's there's why would you pick that game of all games? Um, let's just put it that way. Uh, and you saw the fans at the end of the game from Crystal Palace's perspective, really taking a turn on management and, and want a change. So um, something I would keep an eye out for here in the next couple of weeks, if not sooner, may even get some news over the weekend, who knows? But uh, I think Roy Hodgson is unfortunately time to go. And it, it you know, I think it's his fifth or sixth time managing Crystal Palace at this point. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's one of those things where they, it was a nice service to the club, but if this club wants to continue to grow and go into those next steps, uh, they need a manager that can take them there. Absolutely. And I think this will be safe to say it'll be his last time managing Crystal Palace. Maybe, maybe. You never know. But yeah, I mean, with Partey being out, El Midi at AFCON, 
and then Rice being out, that that's a lot of uh, holes in that midfield, especially at that holding mid position. I think uh, Vieira is out as well with an injury. So it could be a, a mini midfield crisis. It'll be interesting to see how Arteta deals with that with the congested fixture list. Is he going to lean on ESR and Will Smith Rowe, or you know, is he going to find some academy kid who can who can play that role? That is a, a really interesting develop to keep your, development to keep your eye on. Yeah, and of course, as one team loses a player, another team gains a player. Daniel, of course, we're talking about Ivan Tony, who starred for Brentford. Uh, boy, did they miss this player. It's one of those guys that comes in and absolutely is a game changer. We've heard about Thomas Frank talking about him for the last couple of weeks with all the rumors and rumblings about him being bought up in the transfer window here in January. And Thomas Frank saying, absolutely not. I want to keep Ivan Tony as long as I can. And you saw exactly why. Leads the team out with the captain's armband after eight months, steps up and absolutely hits a wonderful free kick to score uh, to tie the game up. And then, of course, a, a wild back and forth game against Nottingham Forest where they get a 3-2 big result for Brentford. This was really needed. And for Forest, you just wonder, is the bounce over as well as there's, you know, we, we saw beginning of the week. Uh, you know, the FA come out and say that there was now going to be some punishment for Forrest, which I think we all kind of were anticipating. How many points would they potentially lose there? And, and is this a team that's really in trouble to go down, even though given how bad the bottom three are right now? Well, with FFP, it certainly does. Um, I'm going to give myself a nice pat on the back here. I had a revelation on Friday night as I was going to the gym and basically my my small brain was saying, all right, well, Boney or sorry, Tony got banned for betting on himself and against Brentford when he didn't play. He's coming back tomorrow. This means that I have to bet on him to score. And I tweeted it out on on my uh, pr on my separate account, and uh, it was at plus one thirty, and it only took twenty minutes to to the hit. So that was that was pretty funny. It was just written in the stars, right, that he was away. And he, and he uh, raised up the shirt. If you don't have Twitter, download it. Follow us first. But then the the memes with him coming back were, were pretty good. So th there was some good content when it came to, to Brentford this week. Yeah, and of course, you can follow us at Full Time Roundup on X. You can follow Daniel at Liverpool CLTFC over there. And you can follow me at Life of Gesslin. Although I don't tweet, don't follow me. I don't need any more followers. Follow Daniel. He definitely has more fun content like that out there. So, but yeah, it was a, it's a huge statement for a player like Ivan Tony to come back and, and kind of bet on himself. That's one of the things that I think you're seeing a lot of top clubs be interested in him, right? You have to have a little bit of that swagger, that confidence, if you want to be a, a number nine at some of these big clubs going forward. And he really stepped up and delivered there and, and really just showed what he can do. I don't think if we want to go into a little bit of the transfer rumors or, or what's happening with him, I don't think you're going to see a, a team pay 80 million pounds for him in January. I don't think even in the summertime, you know, even if he has a big second half of the season that you're going to get 80 million pounds for him. If you're, if you're lining up 50, 60 million right now, I think Thomas Frank would have people knocking on the door um, and, and begging for him. But at 80 million pounds, there's just too many options, especially in the summer with all the free, you know, the, the free transfers that will come about, uh, players we've heard like Osaman and, uh, you know, Holland potentially and Mbappe, of course, you know, there's just a lot of names out there that could be potentially on the move. So it will be interesting to see where he goes, but great to see him back uh, again, a team that really needed him to come in and, and step up. And, you know, Daniel, we talked about Forrest at the bottom. Another team at the bottom is Sheffield United, but this team, Daniel, since Chris Wilder has come in, 
has really made a huge step and, and stride in progress in the way that they're playing on the pitch. We saw them against West Ham today on Sunday, really fought back. It was a crazy game, um, first of all. And, uh, you know, I feel like West Ham got a little bit cheated here. Wild last 10 minutes of the game. If you didn't watch it, there was two red cards, a penalty, a non-called penalty for West Ham at the depth. You know, it was a wild game, but a game that ultimately 2-2 is probably deserving of that result. Uh, and and uh, again, Chris Wilder has come in and just completely transformed the squad and, and a team that I think don't don't sleep on them to potentially find a way to, to escape. Chris Wilder has talked about potentially going to management and asking for a couple of players because he's confident and feels good about this squad staying up. Uh, you wouldn't hear a manager necessarily. You never would hear a manager be negative, but you wouldn't hear a manager going to ownership and saying, hey, let's throw money at this project if they expect to go down, especially when they're, I believe it's six points from the bottom. Uh, you know, so just, just something to keep an eye out. You know, I think there's a little bit of time here that he can find a way to get a couple wins against a team like Forest, a team like Wolves and, and surprise, and maybe, maybe keep the blades up this season, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, as a person who actually betted on them to be the, the bottom team, I, I certainly hope not. But, you know, he did get Barrington Diaz from Villarreal on a on a January loan. That did come in. He immediately um, capped off that loan with a goal today. So that that is one player that they got. You could see – I don't see any um, deals being done. I could see loans coming in, some young – maybe some young talent um, coming in because they, they probably need that. But I feel like the only way they do not get bottom is if that those forest – or Everton charges uh, kind of set them back another 10 to 15 points. We're going to have to keep an eye on that. That's the only way I see them not being bottom, just because their squad is just horrific, to be honest. But, it, I mean, Chris Wilder, he's he's done crazier things. And, I mean, he did a fantastic job, and they love him over there at Sheffield United. He, he got fired um, a couple years back when they were in the Prem, and the, the fans were really gutted to see him go. So I'm glad he's back, and – back to winning ways and, and drawing ways. And they've kind of put a couple of results together here. They have. And you mentioned him being fired and it was a surprising firing at that point in time. Of course they go down uh, Daniel, and then they come back up uh, with, with the manager prior to, to Chris Wilder. I believe I can't remember who it was. I'm blanking. Me. Oh, uh, bo- uh, uh, hidden bottom is what I can't Hagen bottom. Feel. Yeah. So, you know, of course manager changes happen all the time. We saw it with, with, with Forrest already here. Um, this season, Chris Wilder, another one, Daniel, that I know you guys actually touched on you and you in the other day is Gary O'Neill and what he's been doing at Wolves. You know, Wolves play on Monday against Brighton. So keep an eye out for that game. We'll, we'll have that recapped on Thursday's coverage. But it's interesting to see what will happen with Wolves and, and Brighton really need a result as well just to keep in that top half. So a fun matchup on Monday to close out the Premier League. And, uh, you know, of course, we always try and keep you guys in the loop of what's going on. So we'll cover that one on Thursday as part of the prediction show and recap because there's also other games that will be happening during the week. Moving into into the Bundesliga, though, away from uh, Premier League, Daniel, there were a couple of absolute dandy, and I know you love when I use that term, games. <laughs> the first one being probably the biggest game of the year so far up to date uh, and maybe the best game of, of the year in the Bundesliga so far, which is Bayer Leverkusen and RB Leipzig. Of course, this one, I don't know, Bayer Leverkusen just continue to, to 
have moments that you make them wonder, are they going to just win this thing here and now? And it's over with. Uh, of course, that means that they scored a 94th minute winner last week. They score a 91st minute winner this week. I know you're very high on Bayer Leverkusen, so I'm going to let you take this one first. I have a very different opinion on this, and I want to touch on it a little bit. You and I have been texting back and forth on it, but just what were your th- impressions of the game yesterday? Again, a- an unbelievable fun watch for the neutral. Yeah, I mean, definitely game of the week, if not game of the year in the Bundesliga. It was a great watch, and and Leipzig kind of go up first. And you you actually texted me, and this was one of the times where the gasoline curse actually worked really well in my favor, which was, you know, Bayern immediately or Bayer immediately countered it and scored right after the second half to tie it up. Uh, they, I mean, I would say that it was a tale of two different halves. So Leipzig kind of had the upper half or upper, I don't know, you know, they did better in the first half, excuse me. And the second half was all Bayer Leverkusen. And I mean, you could just see the character in this team never quit. They, they believe in Xavi and they, they made some tactical adjustments, obviously losing Frimpong halfway through the match was less than ideal, but Nathan Tella came and got a really big chance to prove himself. And actually they found out Frimpong's injury wasn't as serious. So he should be back within a week or two. Um, so I, I'm, I'm very happy right now. Um, they still play beautiful football, even with some of their, their B players like Stanisic and Hank Capier. Uh, have you know slot in perfectly for Tapsaba and um, Bosunu, and so I was really happy. On the other end, I just wanted to speak a second about Shavi Simmons. I mean, he might be a top three, if not top five, player in the Bundesliga, and he's on loan here at Leipzig. But if we're thinking big picture, Shavi Simmons. I mean, he's either going to command a hundred million dollar transfer fee next summer, or PSG should build around him. And you know, Mbappe is probably going to leave, so I think that they should build around Xavi because this kid is insane. And that goal he scored to cap it off with the no luck one eighty shot was just incredible. And in the biggest game of the year so far for them. So obviously, Leipzig are definitely kicking themselves that they let them come back. And, and even one at their home ground. But I don't know. I mean, Marco Rosa is probably sick to his stomach right now. Yeah, of course, you mentioned, just to touch on it briefly, him and Zaire Emery would be fantastic for, for PSG going forward with everything that, that Luis Enrique is building there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and what that price tag will be. There's been talk about him potentially staying on loan one more season with RB Leipzig, which I think they would prefer. We've They've been rumblings that it's up to the player a little bit. As well, if he wants to stay on loan, I think PSG would be okay with that. He's only 23 years old, so there is still time for him to kind of grow into that position or where he wants to be. Now, moving into the game itself, you mentioned his goal, which was fantastic. First to touch, you know, to take it down and then blindly take a a, a a turn shot at all in one motion and put it in the bottom corner. Fantastic way to start. I think it was a perfect way to start the game for the neutral because it, it got, you know, Leipzig to, to kind of defend a little bit with that lead. And then Bayer was able to kind of possess the ball, which they like to do anyway. They were a little bit, you know, frustrated and, and they moved a little fast. You could see, you know, Shabby on the sideline telling them to slow down, get into positions, get to kind of, you know, don't force it a little bit. And and because they were forcing it, RB Leipzig was able to go out on transition and counter. And boy, Daniel, they can counter with the best teams in the world. They were fast. They were moving the ball. You know, they had Danny Almo back, who was a huge ad for them yesterday. 
the way that they played and the way that this game was in between the lines, you could see it and you could you almost felt like without Palacios and without Shaka playing well in that first half, that this game should have been more. It should have been a one, two or three nothing lead at halftime, which really would have put you know this game out of reach. And that and then you mentioned the mistakes and two poor, poor defensive errors on corners that lead to not only the tying goal, but the game winning goal. You can't have that if you're Marco Rosa and his team. That's, that's those are errors that you track practice on the training ground and you have to, to button up, especially against the top team in the league. Uh, and but credit to, to Bayer Leverkusen. They made the adjustments in the second half. They slowed down, they possessed the ball, they absolutely dominated the last 30 minutes of that game. Uh, there was really nothing that Bayer uh, uh, RB Leipzig could do. And and you know, maybe they're a team of destiny the way they scored, but uh, they they get the big result, and then on not only on top of that. They had an absolute favor from Bayern Munich today who dropped points against uh, Werder Bremen at home, 1-0 loss. Daniel, now seven points clear of Bayer Leverkusen at the top of the league. I know that you are ready to anoint them as the title holders and winners. From my perspective... Not okay, yet. Not yet. Not I never yet. said okay. not yet. I, st- I still believe, though. Okay, because everyone is saying it's done, and now it's almost we can stop talking about Bayer Leverkusen winning the league. Everyone, calm down. There is a seven-point lead. Bayern Leverkusen have a game in hand and a game against Bayer Leverkusen to play. Okay, so that's six points right there. You and I have been texting about this back and forth. Bayer Leverkusen have been perfect. Okay, maybe they haven't won every single game. They've, they've only drawn, I think it's two or three games in the league, and yet they're still only seven points clear with a game, an extra game played. So they have been absolutely perfect, and they still are not even within an extended gap between Bayern Munich. So the pressure that Bayern Munich have and the way that they play, and it's a long season, there's still 12 more games left in the season. Everyone just needs to calm down and let the games play out. I do think it's going to be a great race to the finish, but I wouldn't give Bayer, Bayern Labor, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, excuse me, they always get them confused the title yet true now you did say this exact point with four points before Bayern played and now it's oh seven. absolutely now so it's seven. I was like oh my god this nothing would be better than if Bayern lose to Vader Bremen today because just after that and you're no you make a great point right the B only seven points ahead after literally having one of the better seasons of their history if not the best Definitely is still frustrating that they don't have a double-digit lead. Now, you do mention, you know, Byron still still snapping at the hills, heels. The fact that Leipzig and Dortmund, though, are like 10, 15 points behind, that's pretty sorry. And it's going to – and Byron Lever, Bayern Leverkusen are not themselves going to win this. They need teams to step up like Werder Bremen did today against Bayern and not roll over like everyone else does, right? I had this whole uh, um, rant queued for today, and then Werder Bremen just stole my fire by doing it today. So shout out to you guys. But we, I, I would love nothing more if everyone just unites against Bayern this year and helps Bayer Leverkusen get to the title. It would be funny, and of course the, the other – storyline that could potentially come of this is the the and i don't want to say that the harry kane curse <laughs> you know it's one of those things everyone thought he's going to go over there and win all the titles and the one year that Bayern munich don't win is when he moves over so uh, a story to keep an eye out for we'll, we'll keep an eye out of course it's going to be the biggest storyline in the bundesliga if it does happen 
after 12 straight seasons of Bayern Munich not winning the title. Of course, not only does that have some implications um, on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Daniel Thomas Tuchel, we, we've already been talking about it a little bit that Chabi may move over naturally into that role after the summer. You know, when they when the season's over, that would certainly be the case if if Bayern don't win the title this year. I think we've talked about if he's on the hot seat, given the fact that they know that Chabi is kind of going to be that guy. I don't think there's any potential for him to get sacked in the season, just because why would you do that and then and then hire you know Chabi after? So I think you're going to see this play out. For, for Thomas Tuchel, um, but the pressure is definitely on, and it always is in in Bayern. So uh, one of those things, and and you know there's going to be some some upgrades, some transfers, and and you know Kieran Trippier is on the radar. Uh, McKeeley from from PSG is another option at, at right back, which they're they're in desperate need of. Uh, you know Lermer playing at right back is not going to be the answer for their problem, even when Mizrawi comes back from from Afcon. So uh, just something to keep an eye out for. So to sum it up, short term, secure, long term very insecure for Thomas Tuchel. I think he knows it too. And I think that's part of some of the pressure that he's feeling and the team is feeling too, that they, there's kind of an inevitability that he's not going to be the manager. And um, it's just a matter of, of what they can do. Now you mentioned two teams, Daniel, that are, are kind of right behind and, and we need with, we, I, I am neutral. I don't care either way, but if you want to see Byron knocked off the peg, they, they need to help out. And of course we're talking about Borussia Dortmund and, and RB Leipzig, who we also just referred to a little bit, you know, they need to to continue to to churn out results and and not be churning out results against Bayer Leverkusen, but against Bayern Munich and others. You saw, you know, Dortmund who who have now subtly moved up the table. Daniel, um, with that loss to to let Bayer Leverkusen, Leipzig had a six point gap on on Borussia Dortmund before 2024, and in two weeks, because remember Germany started later than everybody else. That gap is closed. They are tied on points. Uh, fourth and fifth place. We'll get to third place here in a second. Um, but those two teams are, are, in my opinion, fighting it out for, for that third and fourth place position. And you just wonder, you know, how how far was too far for Edin Terzic? But he's found a way to make it work with this roster. And, and of course, he's added some pieces, which has been very helpful. Yeah, to piggyback off that, I mean, I think it's the signings, Ian Matson. Man of the match performance for me. Um, he was just so good at left back. And then Sancho doesn't get on the score sheet, but draws the pen, um, which he wanted to take, but full crew needed a goal pretty bad. So he actually got it. And I mean, Terzic ball still leaves a lot to be desired. They won four nil. They did, but just in possession, it's just not good enough in my opinion. Cause I, I actually watched the the whole game and, Oz Chan, the, the CDM just isn't giving me what I need to see. And I'm thankful that Reyna got to go in. He kind of created that that fourth goal there. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. He has a lot of young talent at his disposal, but a lot of injuries at the same time. So how he kind of navigates this will be interesting. He also brought Sven Bender and Nuri Sahin in as assistant coaches. That might help with the technical side. They, they're they doing the in, inverted fullback system now, which which – kind of slots Matson up more, which he played a little bit at Chelsea, kind of that more forward role. So I think that tactical tweak has worked out in the last two weeks, but still still not loving Terzic ball, but I think he's secure for at least the rest of the year. And, and of course, you mentioned that they're you're not comfortable. They're not going to win the title this year, right? They're, they're, I believe it's 14 points back already of the title, if not more right now. Yeah, 15 points back of, of Bayer, Bayer Leverkusen. 
but we know let's just say uh, let's just put the elephant in the room Stuttgart are probably not going to finish third they drop points to Bochum of all teams although Bochum's been much better this season we saw Leipzig and how they played you know are we looking at third and fourth uh, of course I think from their perspective the way they started the season Champions League ball would be would be just a, a big positive of course you know, coming into the year, there was the expectation that they would build off of last year, et cetera, et cetera. That 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 start did not help them. Um, but when you mentioned that you just don't feel comfortable with with Terzic Ball, what what is Terzic Ball going to get them in the end? Third, fourth, not in European, not in Champions League football. Where where does that end up for you? With the new incomings, I think third or fourth, definitely. I think Leipzig will and Dortmund will hash it out. Both squads have way too much talent not to get third and fourth in UCL Ball. I do think Stuttgart will probably find their way into fifth spot, but they're in free fall as of right now. And um, they don't have Garassi either. So if he can get back and get back to scoring ways, once he comes back from the injury, they might have a chance, but I, I rate Frankfurt pretty high right now um, as that like dark horse team to get that fifth spot. So it's still going to be an interesting battle to see who kind of dogs it out for, for third and fourth and fifth place for me. It is a weird gap there. If you look at the table, you know, Frankfurt is is currently six, but they're six points back of even Leipzig and, and uh, Dortmund, of course, with Stuttgart being, you know, six, seven points clear there. Maybe, maybe I'm getting my math wrong, but uh, there's a little bit of a gap is my point between six and, and fifth and, and that group. So it'll be interesting to see just how far Stuttgart, Stuttgart fall, but I do agree with you. They probably don't finish in that Champions League spot. It's just a little bit too much of an ass this year, but, you know, there's also another gap, Daniel, switching gears over to, to La Liga a league that we've been very high on of, of the last couple of weeks, just given the great storyline that we're seeing right now between Girona and, and Real Madrid, they have started to separate themselves at the top for that, that one and, and two spot. Of course, can't count out Barcelona who get a big result today. We'll touch on them here in a second. You know, Atletico Madrid are, are starting to kind of fall off the way a little bit and, and Real Sociedad and, and Betis kind of an Atleti club fighting for that fourth spot. But we'll get to all that here in a second. Of course, the big storyline though, Daniel, is, is like I said, Real Madrid and Girona fighting it out for the title. Both teams get a win today. One doing it in a totally different fashion than the other. Real Madrid started the day off, and boy, I looked at this scoreline, 66-minute, down 2-1 against the bottom of the table team in Almeria, and I blink, and they win. And it was a thrilling 99th-minute winner from Danny Carvajal. Anything that, you know, I heard you guys touch on this, and I couldn't agree more with you in the way that, and you, both of you, articulated how Real Madrid are really more about talent than, than tactics on the pitch. And you saw that today. Of course, the talent just outweighed, you know, Almeria has no business being on the same pitch as if we're talking about player to player versus Real Madrid. And, and ultimately that's what saved them at the end of the day. Yeah. I saw a funny, a funny tweet. It's like Almeria were basically like lads. It's kept it net. Let it fly. And they did in the second half and or in the first half and went up to nil. Um, at the same exact time, Bayern were losing and Real Madrid were losing. And I was like, is this bloody Sunday? Like, what the hell is going on right now? I mean, we're talking not only, you know, David and Goliath, but if you put it- Were, you, were a, you getting a little nervous for Liverpool? Were you a little nervous? I, I, It did cross my mind. It did. But, I mean, the odds and the statistics of both of those teams winning in their respective matches were astronomical. And uh, I, I, I figured both would end up with at least a draw, you know, Bayern did not, and, and Real Madrid ended up winning somehow. But yeah, I, I was able, as soon as I got home, I, I put on the Real Madrid match 
And, um, you know, they just depend on individual brilliance, Vin Vinicius Jr. and Jude Bellingham. And, I mean, it just – they just they basically just, like, look, get him the ball at half field and let the man cook. And that's what exactly their game plan is every game. And he just continues week in, week out to put in Superman performances. He had a goal and assist today. Vinny had a goal. Uh, somehow shouldered it, upper 90. Never seen that before. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean – there's just this thing with Real Madrid, and they've shown it for a decade now. Even if it looks impossible, every single player on that pitch knows that they can go and win this match. It's unbelievable. There's very few clubs in the world that have that type of belief, and they just do it. And they get it from the most unlikely heroes at times. Danny Carvajal has stepped up in a big way, just bombing down the back post, scores again. He's scored some big games, and he's kind of – a lot of people thought he was past his, you know, career when it came to Real Madrid, and he keeps stepping up. And I, I could not believe, and the Bernabeu was going absolutely nuts when they got that winner. It To, to put it into another comparable sport, Daniel um... – it's like when Tiger Woods on a Saturday would start moving up the leaderboard and, and you would, know it and you know it and the rest of the teams knew or the rest of the players knew it and you started to see them fall every hole someone would bogey or double and he would all of a sudden end up at the top of the board after Sunday Saturday. It has that feeling for Real, Real Madrid and and they did it again today of course they're they're two points clear of Girona right now at the top and and that that big result you know a couple weeks ago and that kind of flipped the, the table but Girona's right there um, you know, they, they, of course, get a big win today, 5-1, a first-half hat-trick within five one a big oh. result. They they like putting up goals, though. I know you talked about it, and usually they're coming from behind, uh, usually one or two down. This this instance, they just they they just flattened them. Uh, but Girona have a big schedule coming up. Of course, you know, February is going to be a big test for them. They, they have a game against Real Sociedad, although no Kubo, which we've talked about with him being at Asia Cup, which they've looked like a slightly different team without him so far. It's been early, but uh, they definitely don't look to be the same Real Sociedad. And then the two big ones, um, they have Real Madrid away, uh, who, who've, of course, they've lost to already at home earlier this season, which could be the decider, you know, if Real Madrid get enough of a gap there, I don't foresee Girona continuing this story to keep up with them. And then they have a sneaky game against fourth place Athletic Club Bilbao out on the road as well right after. So February will be a big test for this Girona side. Um, can they keep this great, wonderful story going? We all love it. Um, I think that if if February comes and goes and, and Girona is all of a sudden one and two in that window, I think you you might as well start writing Real Madrid on the La Liga trophy again for another season. But um, you just hope it doesn't come to that. But we'll see. There's nothing worse than missing goals in a match when you watch the majority of it. And I kid you not, I stopped watching for – I had to go do something for a quick second. I left my apartment in the seventh minute of this game, came back in the 22nd, and there were four goals scored in that. Yeah, the hat trick was in like the hat trick was in like four minutes. Like I, I thought was... I was having a stroke, dude. I was like, "Am I seeing this right? Like, how did I miss four goals in twelve minutes? Like, you got to be kidding me!" But I mean, that's Girona for you, I guess. Yeah, and of course, in the other game that we want to get to for for La Liga, you missed the same type of fashion. Uh, Barcelona, who who played a big game against Real Betis, they were trailing, and, and they do get you know goals 
again in that same type of window where it's very quick succession, um, you know, 21st, 48th, and then two goals in the 90th to, to really put it away. So those two goals late really changed the game for them. And they get a big win against Betis, like I said, Daniel. Xavi needed this. I, I don't know how much we can stress this. Um, we've heard all the rumors that are going around in the media that he's lost the locker room, the players aren't on his side, or at least half of them aren't. I mean, where do you stand on this? We've touched on this, that there really isn't an option at this point that we can see for a new manager. But, I mean, maybe the win puts a little bit of that aside for the moment, but this doesn't feel like it's going to have legs for a long period of time. I'm so back on Xavi. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not flip-flopping like that. But I super will say... The Super Squad is back. The Super Squad yeah, is back. I, the Super Squad is back. No, I will say that I... I We've been very critical on how they played. And this was the first match in a long time where I was like, holy shit, Barca are playing their style. And the craziest thing about that, two 16-year-olds started the match. That's never been done before. Um, the the center back, Carcity Car- 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 or something like that, and then Lamine Lamal, both played excellent matches. You know, Frankie, Pedri, and Gundogan looked like they kind of were back to their best all playing together. They, they played that nice tiki-taka football. Ferran Torres with the hat trick, he needed that a little bit. He's been pretty good this season, but he's hot and cold, and, and he kind of got you know back on track today. So it, it, was, it was tied, though, right? It was 2-2, it was 70th minute, and usually at this point we we're like, okay, well, this is points dropped. How do you, you know? choke a 2-0 lead here and then they come back and score two more in the last couple minutes of the game so that's the reaction you want if you're Xavi your team shows fight and that's what he's been critical of them this entire season is they don't have that fight they don't they can't hit that extra gear to you know push through and believe and they did today so will this get them will they this win get them back on track I hope so because I, I do like Barcelona being good but when it comes to Xavi and obviously they're very tight financially. So I think his future for at least this year is safe. Um, but I do think that he'll be fine long-term if he can rattle off some wins and place, you know, third place and, and go far in UCI. I don't think that has changed. Yeah. You do get a little concerned that again, defensively, they give up the two goals, um, especially when they're leading and you want to see them kill off the game like that. So, uh, you know, that is concerning, but of course, when you're talking about a player like Isco, who is just absolute class on the other side and gets two goals by himself, essentially, uh, it's hard to really take anything away from that. So a big result for Xavi will, you know, of course the two goals late, um, it doesn't matter how you get them. They go in the net, they count on the board and four, two win, for Barcelona, who absolutely needed that, if anything, just to kind of right the ship. Again, league title, probably a little bit of a of a tough one to ask for, but we'll see. You never know what could happen. Of course, Real Madrid lost in Copa del Rey. So, you know, there's there's always an option. There's always possibilities for things to happen. You just got to keep getting points on the board, and, and you never know. So, uh, of course, we mentioned Real Sociedad edged by Celta Vigo earlier on, on Saturday. Again, not a solid performance. They look like a shell of themselves a little bit without some of their players that are that are out. Um, so we'll, you know, want to see them go and continue to grow, progress. We both are very high on them. What does this mean for, for Champions League if they don't have Kubo back for their first leg? Um, that's something to keep an eye out for. And then, of course, 
a team that we talked about briefly last episode that I was on, Daniel, was Valencia, who who get another result um, against Athletic Club, and, and they continue to move up the table. A nice surprise, a nice performance. Valencia, um, a traditional you know, top team in, in La Liga. They're starting to find a little bit of form, contrary to Sevilla, who just cannot cannot find their way, getting blasted today, like we mentioned, from Girona. So tale, tale of two sides um, as far as you know, historic La Liga table teams. But... Other than that, Daniel, there there is another storyline coming out of Italy um, in Syria A that we want to touch on briefly here as we we wrap up the the domestic leagues. Don't look now, folks. We thought that this was Inter's to lose, to lose, but maybe Juventus are actually trying to take this table by the scruff of the neck. They now currently have a lead on Inter in the table after winning today against Lecce. Of course, Inter don't play this week. This weekend, they play a Coppa Italia match on Monday against Napoli. So there's still a game, you know, a hand. Super Coppa. Super Coppa, excuse me. Uh, there's still a game in hand there. But Juventus have gone at the top of the table, and Allegri Ball is, is just continuing to do what he does. Yeah, no. Um, we, we we did a nice little segment on Juventus um, last episode. So if you didn't listen to that, check it out. We kind of you know, talked about Allegri, the future of him, as well as just the squad that he's kind of assembled, especially leaning on youngsters. And we, we talked a lot about Dusan Vlahovic and what did he do today? He gets another brace. That's four goals in two games for him. He's be- completely back on track, Weston McKitty with an assist. So you love to see that. Now, we I will mention they are a game ahead. So, you know, it's very possible that Inter can go on and separate themselves by two points here. But this is officially if not already right. official, a race. And, you know, AC Milan are only seven points back. That seems like it's a little bit out of touch with how crazy football is and how injuries can be. You never want to count them out exactly, but at least we're kind of seeing it take shape within at least the top three. Yeah, and of course, you know, Ewan will be very happy as this is now a race and, and him being a Juventus fan, they could potentially sneak this one out. It's been a while since they won the Scuderetta, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You mentioned AC Milan playing yesterday against Udinese and, of course, another unfortunate scene there uh, with racism in, in the sport. And, and we haven't seen it for a few few months now, it feels like, although you never know. You know, you don't. we're, we're not in tune. We're not at stadiums. We're not hearing about it all the time. But a big instance with with Mike Mignet and and his side walking off the field, rightfully so, and, and making a stand, and um, they handled that correctly. And you hate to see it. Hopefully, uh, the, the the authorities can find these folks on the on the supporter cams or the CCTV and um, ban these folks from ever coming to a game again. But uh, AC Milan get a big win. Uh, like you said, keep in touch. You never know. Like we talked about with Barcelona, soccer, football is fickle that way. You never know. You keep getting results. Things can go your way, but. Uh, Italy is now officially a race, a two-team race. Um, and again, we'll touch on it as we continue to go. That that second half of the table, um, that big, you know, that big battle for for fourth, um, is still heating up. There, a lot of teams now in the mix, especially with Roma, who got a nice performance against Hells Verona, continue to be in touch in eighth place, and uh, they have a couple of big games coming up. So we'll keep you posted there. But moving into the rest of the world, Daniel, um, PSV. Finally, don't win a match. They didn't lose. They did not lose, but they didn't win. So uh, they are still invincible, uh, if you want to call them that, as as only a few teams have ever done the entire season without losing. But they do they do drop some points. Ajax continue to climb up. They're now only three points behind AZ Akmar. 
which is a huge story if they can grab that fourth spot, uh, considering where they started from. And then, you know, of course, Daniel, you're very high on the, the Portuguese league. Sporting, Benfica, and Porto all win. Uh, any any storylines that you want to touch on on any of those leagues? And, of course, uh, France, just for what it's worth, uh, is is off. Um, they are in their cup, uh, cup week this week. So nothing domestically for the French league. Yeah, I will say um, one thing quickly on Benfica. Um, they are still behind Sporting by by one point, I believe. But they signed a striker this window, Marcus Leonardo from Sao Paulo, who was relegated in the Brazilian league, and he had a pretty good season. He's only 20 years old, and he went on and has scored two goals consecutively off the bench, and. You know, historically, we've seen Darwin Nunez, we've seen Goncalo Ramos, you know, we've seen Di Maria, Jao Felix, all these Benfica youngsters get big moves once kind of popping off at Benfica, and he's probably going to be the next one. And they got him for a pretty cheap deal, and they're going to sell him for quadruple within two years. You can bookmark this episode now. Probably, probably to Chelsea for, and he'll never deliver, so it sounds about right. I hope not. That would be a damn shame. <laughs> Well, you never know. That seems to happen, especially I was going to mention it with Vlaovic. You know, if Kelsey would never have heard from him again. So I'm glad he stayed and, and is starting to score goals. And and quickly before we go to break, of course, we do want to give her as much of attention as all leagues as possible. Uh, so Liga MX is, is starting off to very, very early in the season here. We don't want to put any too much stock in this. But Club Americas started off 2-0 at this point. Pumas uh, surprisingly dropped points uh, yesterday. So, again, we'll keep you posted as, as Liga MX gets going. MLS is starting to kind of get back into gear as they're in spring training a couple weeks away from starting there. So we'll start to add those leagues as well as, as some attention here as everyone um, – is close to our hearts here in North America. But like I said, uh, we are going to go to a break quickly, Daniel. Uh, on the other side of the break, though, of course, there is AFCON going on in the Asia Cup, and it is Sunday. So we do want to give you our players of the week as well of, as our starting 11. Uh, of course, as always, we are looking forward to hearing from you guys on X at full time, or at X, on X at full time roundup. <laughs> Words are hard. Uh, and you can interact with us over there. Let us know any storylines we've missed across any of the leagues. And of course, if there's any players that we missed as part of our XI of the week, let us know there. You can follow us over on X, and you can also follow Daniel at full Liverpool CLTFC. You can follow me at Life of Gesslin. Like, download, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating where we get the podcast, and we'll be right back on the other side of the break. And welcome back. As we said before the break, Daniel and I have our players of the week that we'll get to here in a second for you, as well as our XI of the week. Of course, we'd love to hear from you guys on X at Full Time Roundup. I was able to get through that one a little bit better this time than before the break. We'd love to hear from you guys over there and let us know if there's any players that we've missed, any storylines that we didn't cover for you. But of course, Daniel, the action doesn't stop. Not only do we have domestic league going on, but we have AFCON, we have the Asian Cup, and we want to cover those a little bit for you as there have continued to be some amazingly shocking results in both of those tournaments. And I do have a question for you, Esther, more broadly speaking, after we cover each team or each cup individually. But first, the big story in AFCON is Senegal get a big win against Cameroon, and you're starting to see a team like Cameroon who... Maybe weren't the favorite, but you didn't expect them to be in a situation where they are right now that they could potentially be out um, before the host the, too, and the hosts before the group stage. Of course, lots of talent on that team. 
and you just wonder, Daniel, where where this disconnect came from and what happened to this Cameroon side who again have, have tremendous amount of talent. But again, you know, just it's one of those things, surprising tournament all around. It's hard to dissect just because, you know, it's a group tournament. So teams can just obviously ship a bet at times. But I, I did get a chance to watch majority of the Senegal Cameroon match and they did bounce back and it was two one, a pretty close you know, closely fought game for the most part. And then, you know, Mane topped it off at the very end with some horrendous goalkeeping by Anana. Um, but we're also talking about the favorite of the tournament, you know, playing the host here. So I, I did expect Senegal to, to take this victory here, but you would think that the home advantage would play a little bit more into Cameroon's hands as it, as it has. Um, and obviously, crashing out of the group would be a massive disappointment. And we have a bunch of other disappointing teams that we're going to mention here in just a second. Yeah. And of course, you know, like I said, uh, Senegal, of course, are the top of the group at two wins, uh, two wins and two games, Cameroon a win or a draw and a loss now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come out of that group. And, and if they come out of that group, the other surprise team, Daniel, is, it continues to struggle is Algeria. Uh, they drew to Burkina Faso, sit third in the group right now again a team that you know if you're looking at it on paper probably a lot of the players you don't know that well um but there's talent on that roster you and you and you and again just to reference the show from last episode if you haven't listened to that episode go back again wherever you get your podcast and, and take a listen to that one but you know you guys touched on it there's there's a lot of um top level players but not full deep rosters and so mm -hmm. when you have when you have teams that are you know, expected because of the teams that are playing, the players that are in the the big leagues, let's call it the top five leagues. You expect those teams like in Algeria or Cameroon or even Morocco to advance or at least show well. And and we're not seeing that in this tournament, which is very surprising to me. Morocco also dropped points just to cover that real quick. Egypt, of course, Mo Salah and his injury, you know, that, that takes a toll on Morocco, on Egypt's chances. But is there anything in particular that you can pinpoint either with your, your conversation or just more broadly as to why some of these teams that we expect because of the top tier talent are not doing as well as they have up to expectations, essentially? Uh, probably the most valuable asset that we all have, Matt, time, right? These players were playing club ball and completely thrown into this tournament midseason, and, and that's not their fault. That's not the manager's fault. That's the tournament's fault. And for some reason, it's played midseason. Don't know why. Wish it could change. I'm sure there is a good reason why. But they don't have time to prepare. And we're seeing like a team like Morocco. This Morocco team went extremely far in the World Cup. And you know what they did have before that tournament? Time to prepare, to set up their squad. You know, probably didn't come in with as many injuries as they are right now. So these are all factors that, that really, you know, affect these teams they only had like a week or two to prep and i was expecting morocco to to be you know hand on all cylinders and they still haven't gotten to that level yet and you know as the tournament progresses if they can stay alive then that's when you might see with the knockouts teams start to click a little bit but i think that's the biggest reason why some of the biggest disappointments kind of have been so far 
Yeah, and of course, Morocco still sit atop Group F with four points after two games. You know, just to run through the groups quickly, not to spend too much time on it because we, we can dive in this all day and do a separate show, but there are very surprising groups, you know, like Nigeria and Ivory Coast, Ivory Coast fighting for their life in a group with Equatorial Guinea and Guinea-Bissau. That would not, that that when you mention those other two teams besides Nigeria and Ivory Coast, you would never expect Ivory Coast to be in that spot, of course. There is still a third game to go, so there's still a lot of potential. The big group that surprises me, Daniel, Cape Verde is atop their group, undefeated, six points in a group of Egypt and Ghana. Ghana is almost, you know, thankfully Egypt has drawn both their games. Otherwise, Ghana would be already packing their bags, a team that a lot of people notoriously and historically see very highly in Africa. We mentioned Senegal already touching their, talking, topping their group in Group C with Cameroon. You know, Cameroon need to win this game against Gambia to, to even advance out of the group stage. You know, you look at Algeria in Group D sitting in third behind Angola, another big surprising team in Burkina Faso, which we just touched on. And of course, in Group E, Mali in South Africa, not too much of a surprise here. Although Tunisia, you, you've we've seen Tunisia in, in big tournaments before and they sit at the bottom of the table. So a very interesting tournament. You mentioned time. I think that's a huge factor. We're also seeing similar type of scenario in, in the Asian Cup and, and what's going on there. So quickly to touch on that tournament, of course, you know, South Korea get a surprising draw in their team's game against Jordan the other day. Who Jordan sit atop that table, uh, that group in Group E, Daniel. You would never expect South Korea to be, you know, a second place team. And that could have huge implications um, in, in the knockout phase, depending on what side of the draw they go to. You know, we, we touched on it and thought them and Japan were the two favorites. They could be facing off against each other, depending on how this last game in the group stage turns out. So uh, just a, a big, big, you know, talking point here that potentially could have ramifications longer term, not only in this tournament, but also potentially in domestic cups as well. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, think about Angola and Cape Verde. No one expected you to do anything and you top the group. So shout out to them. Um, but to go back to Asian Cup, you know, you mentioned, you know, Iraq dealt a blow to, to Japan. Um, Iraq, very eh team. Japan's probably the, the the favorite of the entire tournament. So so losing that game was a gigantic shock, even with Kubo starting. And they kind of got the A team back up. And so that's, that's a little surprising. I'm sure that they're going to respond in the third game here. Um, you mentioned, you know, um, uh, South Korea draw. They actually came back to draw that in the last second. That was pretty dramatic of a game. And then as well, Iran win, but looked very, very, very unconvincing against Hong Kong. I was not impressed. I actually got to watch that on Friday and was not impressed at all with that performance. They looked sloppy. It just it wasn't up to the quality I expected. And then just to cap it off, Saudi Arabia remained perfect. Probably the team that's performed the best in the tournament so far with Roberto Mancini at the helm. Yeah, of course, one more game to go in both AFCON and Asian Cup uh, group stages. So a lot can change as we've seen in World Cups and other tournaments. Of course, we'll keep an eye on that for you um, as we go into that. And we'll we'll recap everything as we go into the knockout stages there. But again, just a lot of surprises and, and things to keep an eye out for. Now, again, one of our favorite segments of the week as we wrap things up here on the show is Players of the Week. Want to call out as well, just given with everything going on, and we just touched on a, a cup and we touched on all the domestic leagues before, the, the players of the week are only going to focus on the domestic leagues. Um, Daniel and I 
do have lives, although it doesn't feel like that sometimes, um, but we cannot watch everything. And so we prioritize prayers of the week for the domestic leagues as main focus. Um, so I want to dive into that as well. If you're new to the show, just to give you guys a rundown of how this works, Daniel and I do this together. We pick our starting 11 for the week. Uh, we do goalkeeper, three defenders, four midfielders, and three forwards. And then on top of that, as bonus, we give you our players of the week and our young players of the week. So I'm going to start us out here with our goalkeepers uh, and defenders. So Daniel, from our from what we picked, Kubel, uh, clean sheet. You know, can't actually take away a keeper who had a clean sheet in a big game like this. Uh, and one of those things where, oh, wanted to preface as well. Sometimes the, we try and give you guys as much stats players as much but sometimes there are players that just dominate a game and you have to to give kudos or as daniel calls them flowers to players like that so we we, we highlight those players from time to time but we do try and give you guys as many players that had just big games um stats on the to fill up the stat sheet so kubel is our goalie uh in the back Jonathan tell from Bayer leverkusen who got a goal yesterday uh danny carvajal of course today who got the game winner for real madrid and then Daniel touched on Ian Matson being his player or man of the match with one assist in that game for Borussia Dortmund. So uh, those are our goalie and defenders. Daniel is going to take us through our midfielders and our attackers. As Matt loves to say here, what can you say? Jude Bellingham, one goal and an assist with the Superman cape on uh, for our first midfielder. Yep, did the cam celebration because Matt loves Cam Newton. And uh, Isco with a brace here. Uh, against Betis, you know, he's back to his usual self here. Mitchell Weiser, um, game winner with Bayern, was in the Bayern Leverkusen ranks not so long ago. And then before that was in the Bayern ranks. So pretty interesting game for him. I'm sure he had some emotions after that goal. And then um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek with a goal uh, in AC Milan's win was probably their best player against Udinese. For attacking, Darwin Nunez gets back on the score sheet with two goals. Dubovnik, first half hat-trick. I mean, enough said there. And then Ferran Torres with a hat-trick and an assist um, as well for Barcelona's big win against Betis. For player of the week, I chose Jota. Going with Liverpool players here, sorry. But two goals and assist, needed that. So happy for him. And then who is your player of the week? I had Openda, the way he played, and, and he was just that spark plug for RB Leipzig yesterday. He was all over the place and, and kind of just made things happen in that first half and then especially even in the second half as well for, for RB Leipzig. So, yeah, like I said before, sometimes it's just players that just stand out to you and, and, and take the game by the scruff of the neck. Maybe they don't get a result or they don't get a, on the stat sheet, but um, he was he scored, player, right? He did score, yeah, in this instance he scored, but he did more than that. He scored, but also kind of – drove the drove the uh the team up the field and, and really dominated the game for me so um he was my player of the week and then young player of the week for me we touched on it earlier in the show javi simmons who had an absolute wonder goal uh, and is just starring week in week out arguably rb leipzig's best player um and, and continues to show that his talent is for real and only gets better as the weeks go and um daniel you've been coming up with some new ones week in week out which has been great to see and another new player another red shirt on this sheet though yeah not even trying to hide my bias at this point but connor bradley um had a had a good assist today and he's been i mean having to fill some of the biggest shoes in that liverpool roster which is trent alexander arnold's um you know position in in that liverpool 
uh, back line, probably one of the most important positions on the pitch there. So just kept completely rosen up to the challenge. And as you go all RB Leipzig, I go all Liverpool. Love it. Didn't even realize that. Yes, that is correct. But again, like I said, our players of the week, uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know if there's any players that we missed. Of course, we are focused on the domestic leagues here. But of course, anything that you always want to tell us, let us know. You can follow us on Full Time Roundup over on X. Interact with us over there. You can follow Daniel at Liverpool CLTFC or myself at Life of Gesslin. Of course, download, like, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. It goes a long way. We may have some new content coming out for you, so we'll keep you in the loop on that, some, some fun stuff that we're working on. And, of course, as always, we will see you in the next roundup.